Okay. All right. Boy. Okay. All right. <laughs> boy. Oh boy. That's what I wanted to say. Boy. Oh boy. But then you leave other girls. So. Right. So boy and girl. <laughs> girls, listen. Listen to this. All right. This this conversation uh, today. I just think there gonna be some tears. Definitely. Maybe some laughs. Definitely. Um, but we, we just had the most amazing time with Jay and Catherine Wolf. Their, their story is incredible. Um, we were not going to give too much of it away, but I can tell you this. They were living in LA, pursuing their dreams. He was in law school. She was pursuing acting, modeling. And then one day, out of the blue, had a traumatic injury yeah. that literally shifted the course of the entire life. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's inspiring. It's a life-changing. It evokes... Um, uh, a lot of emotion that I haven't felt in a long time and I am, I could say I'm changed forever. And I'm just going to give him this little tidbit that Catherine says, this is what they're about. They're disrupting the myth that joy can only be found in a pain-free life. So no matter where you're at, get ready, buckle Buckle up. (laughs) We said it together. And enjoy (laughs) this incredible conversation with Jay and Catherine Wolf. Hey friends, I'm Chris Bennett and I'm here with my beautiful wife, Julie. Hey everyone. Together, we're going to explore the life-changing power of family. So pull up a chair, grab a cup of coffee and join us on Finding Family. Well, Jay and Catherine just want to uh, first just say thank you guys so much for taking time to join us on uh, on this podcast. We we've been really looking forward to this. We followed your story for several years, and I think having gone through our own journey of suffering and struggle and finding hope in the midst of it, we really resonate with a lot of um, your message. And I know a lot of people listening will as well. So yeah, thank you guys for for joining us. Oh, thank you for having wow. us. Well, maybe we could start off by, for those that don't know, just give us a little bit of your story. I don't know if you've ever shared it before. Just kidding. Um, but uh, yeah. Totally. So yeah, we we were living right near you guys. We were living in Los Angeles, actually in Malibu on the beach. In the oh, Malibu. Dorm. <laughs> Almost beach. Beach adjacent. Yeah, beach adjacent um, at, at the Pepperdine Married Housing. Mm-hmm. And Jay was in law school. And we had just had a little baby. And when he was six months, five days old, out of absolutely nowhere with no history, no medical history or family history of any kind and no no indication anything was really the matter um i suffered a massive brainstem stroke after what's called an abm had ruptured which is like a really really bad aneurysm or something in your brain that can form even before you're born in your mother's womb and can grow and very rarely rupture and mine did and when it did it caused a massive brainstem stroke and um actually i was taken to ucla hospital right over Mm -hmm. again there you guys where a brain surgeon did 16 hours of micro brain Mm -hmm. surgery 
and was able to keep me alive, which was miraculous. Um, but in the process, he had to make decisions mm-hmm. to sacrifice um, many, many um, elements of my body in order for me to stay alive. So I'm um, fully disabled today. I cannot drive a car. I cannot walk on my own. Well, I try to hobble, but not great. And I um, have just many, many pretty extreme deficits, but um, I'm living a, a wonderful life in spite of those deficits. And we've gone on to have another child who's now six and have a wonderful ministry. Um, we've written two books and speak about um, just what we've seen happen in our story and the hope that we have. And um, we have a summer camp for families with disabilities and are just able to really encourage and advocate for a community that largely feels invisible by the world. Mm. Well, well, and so you, you guys have two kids, correct? Yeah. We do. Yeah. What are their ages? We have, so we have James who's about to be 14 and he was, as Catherine mentioned, six months old. when everything changed in our family story. And, um, and you know, it's just been uh, one of the many miracles. Um, often that um, the surgeon who did her surgery said the first miracle really was that he was born before the stroke and that Catherine didn't die in labor. And, uh, you know, cause again, we had no idea she had this time bomb really in her brain at that time. And um, so, you know, just looking back, I think in our story, we've just seen along the way, so many um, just moments of grace and sometimes really moments of real miracle just happening. And, and then, you know, on the flip side of that, you go through and you're like, wow, we, I can't believe that we didn't recover in this way or things happened this way, or we had even more suffering after all that we've already been through. And, right. and then just sort of revisiting that reality that, gosh, we really against all odds get to be here in this moment, you know, around yeah. the dinner table on a Tuesday night with our children, <laughs> including our six-year-old who, you know, by all accounts shouldn't be on this earth and uh, oh, yeah. living because, um, you know, his mom shouldn't be here. And so for him to be in this world, um, you know, it's just a reminder quite tangibly of just grace upon grace and mm. really in our experience and in, in, in our Christian faith, just that, that gospel that really just says that, you know, where there only looks like there's going to be death, there's going to be a new life that yes. comes wow. forth and that changes everything. And so, you know, again, it's not love it. perfect and we don't remember every yeah. day that we're miracles half the time, you know, we're just <laughs> slugging it out like everybody else, you know, for through, sure. through family and school and, you know, <laughs> oh, just yeah. we work, we work together and work from home. And so there's a lot of obstacles and, and ordinary struggles and all that, but there's also just incredible beauty when we have eyes to see it and remember it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I, I try not to speak for Julie, but I'm about to, oh, maybe I'll speak from my perspective. You know, when, when you go through something really hard, um, you know, obviously you know, through Instagram and social media, you can paint whatever picture you want. And because, you know, as Julie's gone through a cancer battle, she's chosen to bring people into her journey. And because Julie has a lot of hope, what she says all the time is like hope over fear. It doesn't mean you don't ever feel fear, but we just choose hope in the midst of fear. 
And it's interesting how some people don't know what to do with that, because I think people will project how they would go through or how they think they would go through what you're going through, or maybe how they went through their hard season. And, and to where I think to your point is, you know, we're looking at, man, you guys have this amazing ministry and you have this camp and you've written these books and, but every day you got to wake up and you still deal with the reality of the struggles. That's a very, very real, that's that daily, daily suffering. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys kind of in light of that, because as I've listened to some of you know your messages and, and things that you guys share, it sounds like not only your own family has played a really key part in that, but you guys have had family, extended family, people that have rallied around you. How, how important has that been in your journey of, of healing? Mm-hmm. Uh, tremendously important. Um, all from the very first days when I was in the hospital and sweet friends surrounded Jay and my family to all the way today when people are helping drive my kids to carpool and us to mm-hmm. our lives, our community, um, a family has played a huge role in all of that. And, you know, we, we've seen firsthand the value of a family is that they can tell you um, the truth and they can help for you when you can't help for yourself and they get to remind you of what you already believe, even when it's really hard. And I think for both of us, we have really, you know, connected families, biological families that um, even like the timing of them being able to really enter into our hard and unexpected tragedy. I mean, that was just part of the the gift and I'm not everybody has that, you know, and so we've, um, you know, over time just really embraced with so much gratitude that we had, like both of our moms basically were empty nesters almost exactly at the time when Catherine had her stroke, wow. we had a six month old baby. And so they were able to really come and enter in and yeah, you know, we lived across the country from them. And so really in a lot of ways, our family was the church community that we had really poured our life into. We'd only been in LA about three years at that time. Didn't know anybody when we moved there. And, you know, we had just kind of jumped in, full force to this community at our church and, and folks who, who were newly married too. And, um, and, you know, planting those sort of seeds again, it changed everything in our story. I don't know if being across the country from where we had grown up and having this happen and not really having that support system in, in the city that we were in, I, I'm not sure if we'd be here today. Mm. I, I, I don't think so, frankly, um, because so often as we've seen, even as we've evolved into this camp community of people with disabilities, the our ability as individuals to continue to rally in the really hard stories, just it's always going to eventually burn out, you know, if it's just up to us to bear the weight of the yeah. world on our shoulders. And so even even to have compassion for like other people's hardship, like over time, we just, we can't bear any more of that. But um, Henry Nouwen says that the antidote to compassion fatigue is community. And so it's so obvious in a way, but of course it is because we, when we get under the weight of, um, of each other's stories, like it, it takes a little bit of a risk to say, I already have my own stuff. Why would I get under the weight of yours? Why would I enter in? But in so doing it, it uplifts all of our stories together. And um, Mm. again, that's been, you know, just the heartbeat of our stories, not just some, we overcame, we're some special, you know, really triumphant, you know, super gifted individuals. It's like, we're part of some bigger movement of of what we believe God's doing and through all of our stories. And and it's played out in this little microcosm of our life, hardship, but it's been all about a community coming up and rising up under, 
underweight of it. I love that. Changed everything, yeah. What about, so, um, I mean, I saw a lot of Instagram posts about camp, which I got fired up. I told you earlier, I'm volunteering right now, signing up, my whole family, <laughs> we're coming. Um, but what has that been like when you see a, a community of people come together with disabilities, those, you know, a part of the family that don't necessarily have the disabilities, but they're, they're this family unit. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm assuming families come, right? But also individuals come. Is that how it works? Okay. Yep. So you have this group of people coming from all over the United States, maybe the world, I don't know. And what does that look like? How have you seen family defined or maybe has family inspired you in that context and in that setting? Or yeah, become more broader. Maybe yeah, even more broader in a it. sense. Like what, 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 what Absolutely. would you say? Absolutely. It, it's been wild. We currently have people last summer at our camp from 35 different states and wow. many families with somebody who's disabled within them and then many volunteers who were at least on the outside not disabled. We believe they're internally disabled. Yeah. We all yeah, are. We all are. Yes. Right. But what happens is when you gather all these people, um, so many with outer brokenness in the story, it just kind of equals this bizarre deepening very quickly of community and people feel very seen and very bonded to each other. And Mm. there's a reality that they are celebrating, um, not necessarily a cure for whatever's going on with them, Mm -hmm. but instead just celebrating being together And the reality is that they're not, you know, wasting time asking dumb questions like, where is Mm -hmm. your child going to college? You know, they're talking (laughs) about, do you think your kid will be able to get through the night? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, is it continent? It's just a whole different deal. So there's this... um, like freedom in real, real questions mm-hmm. in real life. And we think that ultimately what our camp is actually about, and we stumbled upon this, we didn't mean for this to happen, but it's so beautiful, is that we are kind of building this tribe of people who recognize mm-hmm. that they are actually disrupting the lie that joy can only come in a pain-free life Mm. and they are finding there is tremendous joy within a life that is full of pain and hardship and difficulty and so much of that is because they we realize we're not alone in that even if the specifics and facts look different and i think what's interesting too about family and the broader definition of just then your family of origin or your biological family is um when you've gone through woundedness or trauma, you know, your family can hurt you more deeply than anybody and they can also help heal you more deeply than anybody. You know, and so a lot of our families at camp, you know, some have supportive families, some have families who can't deal and who say the worst things and um, who they feel even more isolated as a result of that relationship. And so then, you know, there's this openness and this longing to find some relationships that can fit that need. And I think truly even um, sociologically, we see in trauma, sometimes the best place for your healing is not with your family of origin (laughs) because there's too much baggage. There's too many, much, much history of, of hurts or just like there's blinders or whatever. And so I think there's such power to finding a safe 
place that acts as a family would in its most beautiful healed state, you know, mm-hmm. which is not that, what family always is, unfortunately, right. but right. It, it's possible almost outside of the bounds. I love that. Of, uh, you know, that family of origin. And again, we honor our family of origin and we love um, absolutely all that they've given us, but we know it's just more complicated sometimes. And, and truly um, you need something outside of that often to find. Can, I, can I ask you, can we ask you something on that? Cause that's a, that's been a huge thing that we've been discovering is like, you know, people say you can't choose your family. Well, no. And yes, you, you kind of can. Right. And, and we have a, a friend that said something to us a while back that she was single, she's about to get married, but she just said, you know, belonging is not just something you find it's something you bring, you know, and how we can actually help create belonging right where we are, you know, and we can form and family, but how, how would you say for people that are feeling that sense of, you know, I, yeah, I, I wish I had a great family. I don't, but I, I know I need it. How how can people go about finding family that maybe is beyond that? You know, your your natural. Mm-hmm. In many ways, I think, and just like Julie is volunteering to do right now, putting mm-hmm. yourself out there um, to serve mm-hmm. wherever, whenever is uh, real automatic to meet people who are yeah. like minded. At least, and we are we are looking outside of ourselves, mm-hmm. and it's funny how so much of the um, tribe we have created with Hope Heals has to do with other people looking beyond their pain. Mm -hmm. Uh, How can we serve those with disabilities or fill in the blank, whatever it is. And in so doing, also find each other, the other volunteers with the same heart Mm -hmm. and it builds family. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think, you know, we are all looking, I mean, after this season of isolation, I mean, it's like, wow, like we need each other desperately and we almost feel the physical separation and just, it has done something to all of our souls. And so we're looking, you know, like whether it's, wow, maybe if I go get involved in this, you know, activity or the sports team or this, you know, sort of shared interest, like that's great. Or maybe, you know, shared enemies, people are finding that, you know, in the season as well. But I found (laughs) like, you know, for us, the most powerful connection we get is when the place of our wounding becomes the place of somebody else's healing. And so like Catherine okay. became disabled, we never saw that coming in a million years. You know, we're both like mm-hmm. super type A, firstborn, competent, you know, didn't know many people, disabilities, had never had a lot of hard things happen. And so, you know, then you layer on top of that, everyone after she gets sick is I have visions of her jumping out of the, you know, ICU bed and she's healed and she's, you know, you're, it's like, it's like, it's never happened, you know? And, and then over time you realize when you have like, a part of your brain removed, you don't usually just go on like, like you did beforehand. And um, it took many years to sort of really not only just accept that story, but then eventually sort of cherish that story of disability. I mean, it took years and it seems like so obvious, oh, you have this camp and that wasn't what we were, we didn't really receive that calling for a long time because it was just too painful and it was just too different than the story we had imagined. But then we began hearing the stories of other folks who were living out that unexpected life with a lot of grace and with vulnerability and pain and, and joy too. And we wanted to be a part of that. And um, so we find time and time again, like that thing that feels like the last place you would want to open up for community is the most powerful wow. place, not only for finding family, but finding um, somebody else's healing through your own healing. Yeah. And, you know, 
no, no judgment on people, you know, going to play pickleball to find community. Right. That's great. Yeah, but I think, yeah. you know, if you can really get deeper, I'm just saying like this pain we share is also this possibility of strength and hope that yes. we share. Yeah. That's the deepest connection to some version. Wow. Of so good. And I, I think it's taking that risk to step out, which sometimes is the hardest, not the actually believing yeah. that we could be healed out of our woundings. It's like, oh, yeah, yes. No, I believe that. But to take that step whether it's serving at camp, whether it's doing the things you just shared, it's risk is always worth it. There's always, you know, without risk, you don't have that reward of what you get to experience. And so, so true. What about, would you say for the volunteers that come, that, that aren't in the same situations of those that are coming, are coming to camp mm-hmm. for a specific purpose, reason, whatever, what do you see? And I don't think you mentioned this, but with the volunteers that are coming, how, what are the revelations that they're leaving with, whether it's in the context of family or just in life? Would you say you see any a difference? Mm. Absolutely. So many of our volunteers think they're coming to serve. I think they're coming to like help people with disabilities. And then very quickly they realize, oh, I'm disabled too. It's just on the inside and I don't have stuff going on on the outside. So there's really this blurring of the lines that Mm -hmm. happens where everybody has disabilities of all different kinds. And because we've all got stuff. That's not okay in our stories. That's really hard. Um, We can show each other a different level of kindness and compassion and empathy. And, you know, I think for the volunteers and, and for us, for sure, there is a sense of wanting to enter in deeply to each other's stories and really um, let our heart break, you know, not become stoic or, you know, removed from the pain, but, you know, in a healthy way, my my therapist has talked to me about learning how to empathize, but not internalize and take Mm -hmm. it home with you, (laughs) but how to really, um, you know, hold that well and just always pray for a heart that is tender mm-hmm. and a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone, a heart mm-hmm. that is um, breaking from the pain someone else is going through. Mm-hmm. And that that actually is a gift. I I cry easily and I'm very <laughs> emotional. And I, I have come to a place to see that as actually a gift, that yeah. a tenderness means I'm really feeling and emoting <laughs> isn't a bad thing. And and it's cleansing. I think those type of communities, which are just a little few and far between, which is why we're kind of humbled that we've inadvertently teed it up, is they help us realize um, that it's not an us versus them story that we have to live into. And that's just what our brains want to make sense of the world with. Okay, I'm over here. And that means I think all these things and yeah. I voted this way. So I, I do all this and I'm in this denomination and that so I can yeah. compartmentalize and we can understand who's in and who's out or whatever. And I think what um, camp has meant to us and just the type of community that we try to foster and uh, and the life and the story we try to live is one where the lines are blurred, like Catherine said, where there's mm-hmm. like where we're all in it together, um, which sounds trite, but the reality is like um, often those who are competent on the outside are the ones who are most deeply yes. insecure and hurt yes. and <laughs> struggling on the inside. And yeah. even more so because nobody knows it, nobody would assume yeah. it. And um, right. breaking down those walls and just sort of opening up this space of vulnerability for us to say like, you 
you might have thought you had to hold it all together, um, but that's not what you were made yes. to yes. be or do anyway. Yes. And so just to, to find the freedom in that, not like you're losing some competency or some merit or trophy, yes. but like you weren't supposed to be that and you don't have to be anymore. And um, yeah, so just blurring those lines again has been so, I think, transformational and healing yes. with people. We have a lot of folks who've uh, not only have disabilities themselves, physical ones who are volunteers or who were campers and then decided they wanted to transition, so cool. quote unquote, to yeah. the other side <laughs> to be volunteers, you know. Um, but we've had people who've lost children and we've had them, um, you know, just people in all kinds of sort of journeys of grief. And again, just yeah. to make a space for that. Uh, we've all got to find that. And I think that's what family ultimately that. can give us just work through this human life. I think, you know, we live in, so in a culture that um, celebrates being strong and having it all together and you just push through and do hard things. And then you look at really the message of Jesus is that, you know, strength being made perfect in weakness. There's this celebration of our humanity, our weakness, our inability to do life on our own. Like that whole essence of what it means to, to become the least is the greatest, all those things. And so it's very countercultural to lead out in these ways I found, but it, it resonates with the human spirit because we, we have this friend who's an actor. And I remember he was saying, when people are watching a movie, they're trying to find themselves in that story. And I had never thought of it that way. I wasn't going to question him because he's a very good actor. But I thought, oh, that's interesting because, you know, it's like we're almost intuitively finding what do I resonate with? What do I connect with? And I think all of us Catherine, I love the way you say it. We we all carry disability. We all have brokenness. Some's visible, some's internal. And the internal is sometimes the most dangerous because we can try and hide it and hide it and hide it. Now, I don't believe you can do that forever. I believe at some point life and the pressures will force those things to be seen and made known. And sometimes it's disability going through cancer or a trauma, or it could be something in your heart that you've gone through. But I think what you guys have done and what we found is when we are willing to share our story and our wounds, it creates a place where people are like, oh, I can I can do that. And that's part of what I think family is, is you creating a safe zone like we try to do with our kids where, hey, we don't want you to feel like you have to hide anything. You know, this is a shame-free, judgment-free zone. And that's what the essence of family is. Um, but I don't know, I think that's kind of what you guys have carried really well is inviting people through your story into their own. and and. Catherine, I'm going to botch your quote, so correct me, please. But I, I read somewhere, you said something along the lines of, you know, suffering isn't the end of our story, or it's the start of a new story. How, how did, would you, would you say it since it's your quote? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I say a lot of versions of that, but the essence of it is that suffering is never the end of the story, but rather suffering is the beginning of a new story. Mm-hmm. Mm, so good. I was close. I, I, I was close. <laughs> Yeah, you totally were. You were close. And I I love that idea that God is doing something different in your story than he was before. And that can be a very, very hard pill to swallow that um, you're going to have to pivot. Mm. But if you recognize, and I do, and I pray many others do, that God is writing a story with our lives. It's not a moment. It's not all based on just this one moment, but rather 
a story and there's chapters mm. and stories and yes. the difference in totally. episodic there are seasons mm. and seasons change i think is really crucial yeah. to getting through suffering and that gives us permission to to not be so afraid when we have hard things or not to deny them or kind of like feel yeah. like we're so alone in that to know that you know what yeah, the story is probably going to be a lot different than you imagined when you were a child. Mm-hmm. Also, side note, when you're eight years old, that your brain isn't fully formed and you shouldn't have those dreams maybe affect the rest of your adult life. Just saying uh, you can dream new dreams when you're an adult, too. And I think so much of our expectations right. we had for what our life would be keep us so paralyzed in, in living into the reality of the life that we have. And we think, gosh, if this is bad, quote unquote, or if it's just hard or not what I thought, then it, there can't be anything good in it. And that's the farthest thing from the truth. And and frankly, life is short. So you look back and if you've not found a way to somehow lean into the life that you have rather than the one you thought you'd have, you know, you'll look back and find that it, it went by and you really didn't. That's right find the beauty in the midst of that struggle. And so that's what we want to teach our kids too. We um, can say this story because it's, it's a really beautiful sort of blessing that we give to our kids every night, but it's that, that idea that good and hard are not mutually exclusive. And I think sort of that co-mingle of joy and sorrow of good and hard um, just releases something. I hope in our kids' brains as they, you know, some things are wiring up in there right now so that when they're adults, if something's really, really a hard turn in their story that they can still see that there's goodness in the midst of it. But every night, Catherine will sort of leave our kids with this idea. Oh, well, so much of our kids and probably most children in America today is that, um, you know, they really want a good day tomorrow. They're they're Mm -hmm. praying for God to give them a good day or everything's about good and being having the good life. And we are desperately trying to re-narrate that, that that tomorrow might not be a good day. But that doesn't change that you can do hard things in the good story God is writing. So we will say to our little boys a lot that God made them to do the hard thing in the good story. So whether Mm. today is the best day or the worst day or the last day of their Mm. lives, that they will (laughs) choose to live it so well because God in them working gives them the ability to do hard things Mm. and that they are not as fragile as the world is telling them that they are, that they are actually quite capable, not because of anything they are doing, but because of their relationship to Jesus. Mm. Well, and you know, that sounds really good on a, you know, sermon tagline, but when they're hearing it from you guys who have lived it, and that's what I think we found is there are a lot of things I used to preach that I'm like, it wasn't that I didn't believe it, we just hadn't lived it. And then you go through it and you're like, okay, do I actually believe what I'm saying, you know? And so, you know, I think, I think you guys are modeling that. I think you guys said it. Um, I mean, suffering gives us permission and hmm. to do so much. And just like suffering has allowed me to find family in a way um, you know, I say, I, we always tell our kids like, you know, we've never arrived. I don't know, care if I live to be 90 or hundred, you know, right. until I see Jesus someday, I, you know, I mean, we're constantly growing, we're constantly learning, but, um, as we were told in the word of God that we will suffer and, and, and that shouldn't be a shock to us and, right. yeah. and, and finding his goodness in that and how it gives permission for us to breathe. And like you said, the wounding becoming our greatest place where we can heal and others can be healed is, so sweet and so 
Um, I just love hearing your story. Thank you so much for sharing these like golden nuggets. It's amazing. I feel, I feel. You guys yeah. too, keep going. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I would love to know just as we, as we wrap this part up for people that are listening, um, what's the best way they can support you guys and what you guys do? I know you've written a couple books, Hope Heals and Suffer Strong. You have the Hope Heals Camp. Um, I just, we're fans and we want to get as many people, you know, to hear your story and, and to partner with you guys. How, how could people jump in and be a part? Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. We've, um, yeah, we, we humbly and, and also really joyfully invite people into that that process, you know, we have this organization really, I mean, we felt sort of set apart after this happened to us for many years. We didn't really know why and to what end. And I was a lawyer and, you know, Catherine had been in the entertainment industry and now everything was sort of different and, and almost like we had seen behind the curtain. And so he, like, we couldn't just go back to the way things were before. And so um, we're just grateful that, you know, in this second chance life, we get to do this work together. And that's pretty hard too. Frankly, we're, you know, again, type a firstborns and trying to work together from home. And uh, there's a lot of, a lot that we've learned in that process. And, and, um, and yet hope heals is this beautiful gift of um, a life that shouldn't be. And for both of us. And um, so, yeah, we're, we're grateful to have folks come alongside that. And our website is hopeheals.com and we're on Instagram, probably most of any social again, where we just try to redeem a little bit of the internet, you know, um, this thing that can be used for such deep wounding yeah. in the world, um, to just add a little bit of a uh, thread of hope and hopefully vulnerability to, and, and giving others permission to, to grieve the hard story, but to find uh, hope that it's not the end of their story too. So, and the camps are expanding. We're actually, um, working on a coffee shop concept in Atlanta, which is where we live, uh, where we hire. Okay. I need to hear more. We can talk later. Tell me more. Tell me. He's a coffee snob. It's my love oh, language. Yeah. yeah. So we're just, we're just humbled to get to still keep doing this and to have it be bigger than just the two of us and our yep. story and, and expand out yeah. further and further. So thanks for yeah. helping share about that. And we're, listen, you got to spot a camp if y'all, if y'all want it. Yeah. Oh, seriously. Oh, oh we yeah, will right. see you in July. It, it is going down <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, thanks for making time in your busy schedules. Oh, we, uh, yes. we really do love you guys and love your story and, and know that it's just the beginning of what's going to happen. The people that you're going to reach the, the lives that are going to be changed through, through Hope Heal. So we'll, we'll look forward to, to staying connected with you guys. Mm, I got you. Thank you so much. Yeah, God bless y'all. Yes, thanks, guys. You're amazing. Appreciate it. We're not done yet. Get that coffee refill because it's time to unpack. We just finished our conversation with Jay and Catherine. There were a lot of really powerful things they said. Um, but I, Jules, I'm going to kick it over to you, girl. Mm. Or do you want. Don't kick me, but um, I will. I was I, I am two for two. Oh, totally you mean over two? <laughs> now I'm over three. It's a hearty laugh. <laughs> okay, wow, guys, this is a good day. Um, but and speaking of that, it's a good day, but it's been a rough week, and because it's been a very rough week, I will speak for myself. Very rough week. I've I'm just gonna be real transparent. I've had the cloud of doom. That's dramatic. Okay. I've had the dark cloud of like just feeling depressed and very compartmentalized and in that trying to survive and resorting 
to returning to old patterns so that I can get through the hard week. So I'm going to ignore the emotions. I'm going to ignore the hard when I have grief screaming at my door. Can you please feel me? And in saying that, this was really impactful for me. Um, it was such a reminder that it's in our place of wounding and pain that can really become and be a catalyst for the place of our healing and for others. And even just listening to their story that um, I was certainly familiar with, but again, just being reminded of the power of that, the power of um, life and what we go through. Like, I don't compare my heart to your heart. Um, um, I listen to their story and I'm like, wow, my heart wasn't that hard, but that's not really the thought that I, I sit on. I just go, wow, how can I learn from their story? Um, and I love they said something about like, it's not about who's in and who's out. Sometimes life, whatever you believe, whatever your political views are, whatever your story is, we can talk about like, okay, you believe that. So you're kind of in my circle, you're out or you've gone through that. So you're in or you're out or for Kathy. Okay. What if it was like, I- I'm disabled. So you get me. So you're in here and I'm out. And you know, just that whole concept of like, sometimes those lines get blurred. Those were their words when we live life like that and coming out of COVID and coming out of like such political kind of just upheaval and all that's gone on in the world and whose side you on? What do you believe? And we say we're unified and we say we want to do family and we say we want to grow and learn, but really um, it's hard. It's, I mean, I, I would say it's hard. I want to say all the right things even right now, but it's hard to not go, okay, well you're kind of in and you're safe and you're not. And there's something about the pain of life and suffering that gives us a permission to just go, I'm not going to let those lines get blurred. I just, <laughs> I want to sit in my humanity and, um, not let my competency block me from, really recognizing what needs to come down in my life and be dismantled. So I was really encouraged this week here. I'm speaking a little broadly, but just really encouraged to be reminded that um, it's important to let myself unravel because when I unravel, I can heal. When I unravel, I cannot put up boundaries and walls or, you know, just listen, you know, walk to the (laughs) and live to the sound of my own beating drum. Like, but pay attention to yeah. everybody so yeah and and i think you know sometimes it's hard because we need to unravel and like how do we unravel around people that we feel safe to unravel around you know i mean family is like obviously uh, this week was hard for you and we did feel that <laughs> what he's saying is i was a hot mess unapologetically emphasis on hot, hot. um oh, wow. but uh i think yeah i think that's you know, when you have that place in family where it's like, it's okay to not be okay, as cliched as that statement can be, I think that's, that's the essence of it. Because it, the alter, the alternative is we, we stuff it. And that's really unhealthy. And that's probably more my personality type is just to kind of stuff how I'm really feeling how I'm really doing. But I think in family, we can pull those things out of each other. But I, I, I the thing that I wanted to say that I loved was, you know, for Catherine, she has a very physical, visible disability, you know, from this brain stroke in 2007, you can't not see it the way it, you know, her being in a wheelchair, um, how it's affected her body. Um, but something she said is that we all have disabilities and some of them are just on the inside. And I think that's really true. And I think, um, you know, what we have to do is get better at embracing those 
parts about who we are because for her, she doesn't have any choice, right? I mean, like she can't hide her disability. It's, it's in front of everyone. So she's chosen to embrace it and then tell a different story through her own disability. And I think that's the, when we, we've talked before about vulnerability or sharing our story, it's kind of like embracing our disability and embracing the parts of us that maybe we would be ashamed of or embarrassed by because, you know, her disability wasn't her fault. Something happened to her that was out of her control. And I think for a lot of our disabilities, it's the same thing. Something was done to us. Somebody did something to us that caused trauma and pain that created this internal disability. But as we're talking about finding family, I think the more spaces we can create that you're almost embracing the disabilities because it brings a sense of normalcy that, that mm-hmm. you know, just like their Hope Heals Camp, it's about disability and it's not. It's really about bring all of who you are, show up fully as you are, and we're going to celebrate you where you are. And I think that's what, you know, we've got to find ways of, if we don't... F- I'd say like this is we're talking about what's healthy family look like. I think if we don't have people around us that can see us for who we are, embrace, you know, our disabilities and love us the same. I'm not sure that's a healthy place to be. What do you think? Yeah. I I like when they talked about like the volunteers that come to the camp who don't have an outward physical ability. They walk in thinking, excuse me, a disability. They walk in thinking Lordsbridge is here to serve and help everybody else that needs help. Maybe that's their mentality. And it's like, oh, wow, look at my own disability, which creates an in an empathy in life that we need that allows us, I think, to receive not just family, but other people, you know, the person right in front of you to the people that maybe you're creating family with. Like it, it puts you, well, I'll speak for myself. It, it puts me more in touch with my humanity and it's really important um, for us to do that. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know how much they touched on it. I'm trying to remember in the conversation, cause I know they they have a lot of messages that are on YouTube and things that, that, man, I'd encourage you guys go check out, you know, read their books. Um, but you know, she talked about when she had her stroke and she was in a coma, I think for two months with a newborn baby and then coming out of the coma and realizing, Oh, somebody's been raising that child and feeding that child in a way that she hadn't been able to. And that was, natural family, but it was also their community of people that had stepped up. You know, it talks about a village to raise a child. It takes a village to raise a child. That was really painful for her um, because she felt like, oh, that was something I was supposed to do. But I think about, you know, when you were sick, how many times our community stepped up and they stepped in and you know, I'll never forget Christmas is up. It'll be three years. And we were living in an Airbnb, didn't have our home, our stuff's in storage. You know, every Christmas we would love to obviously put up our tree and have all our traditions and our Mm -hmm. stockings. And we had none of those things. And I remember you came home from your, your girls group that Mm -hmm. one night in our little Airbnb and you had this gigantic bag and inside was a, um, was a floor mat, like a greeting mat that that said, welcome home. And it had many stockings for all of our kids, a tiny little Christmas tree with, with lights on it. Um, and there were all these things, but it's like, you know, they were being family and helping recreate things that felt like home to us that we didn't have in our home. And I remember in that little Airbnb, putting up our stockings, our tiny little tree, putting the mat down to try and create a sense of normalcy, but it was because people again and again showed up and they stepped in to be family in a way that even your family couldn't be. I mean, they mm-hmm. were in California, they're in Oklahoma. Um, it was yeah, required. Sure. They said something like, sometimes your immediate family. I mean, it's the hardest, you know? Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. So there's something even about outside of our 
immediate family that uh, when we, when people come alongside of us, it yeah, just does a deep work, you know. Um, I love how they said, you know, when they put their kids to bed at night, like the good and hard are not mu- mutually exclusive. Yeah, you know? no, that's and, really good yeah. and hard. <laughs> Sorry. What? No, yeah, never mind. I, I don't know. I just think that that's such. I mean, thinking about the hard that we've been through, you know, it's, I really think that for me, I would say that it's through the suffering that's allowed me to find family. <laughs> Not to overuse the whole finding family concept. Well, it's what pulls you together, though. It really it is. It really does. And it's when you can see it as a gift. And that, like, you know, Catherine, I don't know if she shared on the podcast or if it's something else that I read or saw at one point, but. It's like, like that pain, what she missed. She doesn't have memories. I think she said, yeah. I, I, I hope I'm not misquoting this, of like his first birthday. There's, Or maybe when, maybe it was before the accident. There's some memories like I can't ever get that back. And there's a pain that like I have to sit in. And it, it, it is a part of life. Like there's something like, it's not like I'll grieve this so it's not painful anymore. I'm grieving it, but it's it will forever be painful. And there's a part of those things that like we were actually... M- I believe that we were made to be able to withstand the painful things that will always be painful, even though they're important to grieve and that we were made for the good and the hard. And, um, I've never, I've never known a time in my life where the hard hasn't, uh, you know, we don't allow it to be wasted. It hasn't made us better and stronger and, um, have a deeper understanding of the world around us. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, maybe kind of, we could wrap it up. by just thinking about that phrase of suffering isn't the end of our story. It's just the beginning of a new story. And, you know, I think if we can embrace the painful parts of our story, the, our own disabilities, our own, you know, places, because so much healing, I think comes in even sharing our story. I think maybe a sign of, of health is when we feel like we can share our story. I, mean, I know there's times where people need time and, and work through process where they feel like they can. But I think when we get to that place of we're able to find safe pockets to share our disabilities, to share our suffering, um, it opens things up for other people. And, uh, and I think as we're finding in our own journey, Jules, like so much of what we're doing now and the messages and the things we feel called to are because of the suffering you went through. That's not your identity but it is part of the story that we're called to tell. And last thing I'll say is, you know, um, we all want to be capable, right? We, we all want to be capable of getting through the hard, doing the thing, living out the dream, whatever it is. And sometimes it's that whole fight to be capable that keeps us from um, uh, really going through what we need to and allowing people to come around us so that we're well, cause sometimes to, we're not capable well, and we exactly. need other people to, to step in. Right. That's the whole, yeah. the whole, yeah. the whole, that's point. my biggest downfall is I, I feel this need to always be capable even when I know, Oh no, I need other people, but it can keep me from, you know, allowing others to help carry me. Yeah. We need each other for sure. Well, I would, uh, for those of y'all that did listen, um, thank you. For those that didn't, what's the deal? Honestly, what's your, no, I'm kidding. Um, cause you, cause you, you, if you heard that, then you are listening. So That's that, right. that doesn't even actually work, it doesn't. but, uh, <laughs> hope that you guys enjoyed this conversation <laughs> as much as we did. Um, again, go check out, follow them on Instagram, hope heals, um, their book, hope, they have a book called Hope Heals, another called Suffer Strong. They have Hope Heals Camp. It sounds like there's ways that you can jump in and be a part and yeah, yeah follow their story, find ways to jump in and, um, hope that this week helped you move a little closer to finding family. 
Thank you so much for listening today. And the best way that you can help us get this message of family out to the world is by taking a minute to subscribe. Leave a rating, a review, and please share. You can also visit our site, findingfamilypodcast.com and follow us on Instagram to stay connected. This is a production of Welcome Home Entertainment. This episode was produced by Dave Hanso and edited by Will Cotterall. Music by Drew Holcomb. Chance. Family. Blackbirds of a feather. Family. Kick off a shoes and dance. Hey.